God, our Creator, when you speak, there is light and life. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may listen to one another, speak the truth in love, and bear much fruit in the service of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, welcome back. I say that because I was Yvonne said she hadn't been here in a while, and I said neither of any of any of us. So it's kind of been on a week, off a week because of various activities. But I think now we're on back on a regular schedule, weekly until Easter, when we'll obviously have uh, uh, just Easter service and uh, no Sunday school. But um, wanted to uh, pick up kind of where we had, had been in Acts. Uh, Paul has been uh, jailed. He's been in Caesarea. And he has um, been talking on a periodic basis with Felix, who is the governor, Roman governor. And Felix hadn't had a problem with particularly what the Jews had accused him of, but Felix was... Um, not a man of high morals, and even though bribery was against Roman law, Felix didn't have a problem taking bribes. Now, Felix was replaced, and we'll be in chapter uh, 25, and I'm going to read the last verse of um, chapter 24, chap uh, verse 27 of this is still Acts. Still Acts, yes. Uh, verse 24, chapter 24, verse. 27. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porticus Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Now, under Roman law, Paul, who was effectively under protective custody, could not be held more than two years. But Felix left him in jail to do a favor to the Jews because they did not uh, appreciate what he had, uh, he being Paul, had uh, been doing. And so that is part of the continuing story, if you would, of Paul's imprisonment uh, because of his beliefs and uh, his activities. So if someone would be kind enough to read um, in Acts 25, verses 1 through 25. Well, let's do 1 through 12, and then we'll go to the end. Let's break it up. Well, I'll be glad to do 1 through 12. Okay, Goffey. You're always good to do first. Now, three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul that he be summoned, that he summon him to Jerusalem because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So, said he, let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there's anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. After he'd stayed among them for not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea. <coughs> and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Paul argued in his defense, Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, 
Do you wish to go to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If I, if, if then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his council, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. Thank you. Festus, when he first got there, you know, did what any new administrator would do, would get to know his area of what is, you know, even if it wasn't a geographic area, what his nearest, you know, the people under his charge were. And since Jerusalem and the Jews were unique in the Roman Empire, unique in that they were allowed to continue their religion and to continue living as they had to an extent, and as long as they didn't get out of hand and cause uh, civil disrest, they could pretty well do what they wanted to do. So what Festus was doing was reasonable. Um, and he went down, met with them, and the thing that was still concerning the Jewish leadership was Paul. They knew Paul was still in prison. They told them, uh, told Festus, you know, their concerns. They wanted Paul brought down to Jerusalem, and they had planned an ambush. Now, Felix, when he brought Paul from Jerusalem up to Caesarea, for the first half of the journey, half of his thousand plus men accompanied Paul. So you got 500 plus men watching over one guy. And the Jews weren't able to ambush and kill Paul because they really knew that was the only way they were going to get away with killing him. And so now they had the same plan, just bring him down and we'll kill him on the way. But Festus, wanting to follow kind of procedure, said, no, you can come up to Caesarea and talk about it, and we'll hold a um, hearing there. And because, you know, he just hadn't heard anything what they were complaining about that was wrong, but, you know, bring charges. Because under Roman law, formal charges had to be presented. There had to be a formal, you know, accusation by the interested parties, and there had to be the opportunity for the accused and the accuser or accusers to face each other. So evidence had to be presented. And um, the problem here is that the real accusers and the people that had made accusations against Paul were the Asian Jews. Now, Asian Jews are not like what we would think of. That's more the people in Turkey, uh, what we know as modern-day Turkey. And so they weren't there. The church leadership in the Sanhedrin had picked up this call, particularly the Sadducees. And so they were bringing these charges, and so they were um, talking about what Paul had done. And most of their complaints, and really all of their complaints, were really religious in nature. Now, they tried to pull in that, 
Paul was talking about this man Jesus who said he was the son of God. And that was how they tried to pull in um, Roman law as well as he's causing disturbances. And that is something the Romans were just totally against. You couldn't do. Any civil disobedience was put down with an iron fist. And so that's what they were trying to do to get Felix, to get Festus now, to say, okay, you can, you know, the, the Sanhedrin could accuse somebody of a crime that was punishable by death, but as long, but they had to have the Roman governor's permission to kill them. And that goes back to Christ. That's why they had to get Christ in front of Pontius Pilate so they could get that approval to kill. They could not do that by their own authority. So sometimes they would do things like the ambush or things that they could do to get around it. And so they come up to Caesarea and they make their accusations and Paul says, I'm standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. You know, you know that I'm not a wrongdoer. So if I'm in a court, I've got to be in a Roman court. If I've done anything deserving death, I'm willing to die. But he wasn't going to Jerusalem. And so he really surprised Festus by his comment because Paul was a Roman citizen. Now, if he'd just been, if you will, a regular, ordinary Jew, he couldn't have done or said what he said to Festus. I appeal to Caesar. And so by appealing to Caesar, he had to go to Rome. He had to be sent to Rome. And at this point in time in Roman history, they would have still been appealing to the person of Caesar, whoever held that title. And in this particular time, it would have been Tiberius. Or no, Nero, by this time it would have been Nero. And uh, Nero also at this point in time hadn't gone crazy mad. He was still, you know, um, the emperor of Rome, so he was still did things that were, you know, an absolute power person does, but he wasn't the madman we later know of him as. And Festus had to kind of figure out what to do. He, didn't, he really didn't have to figure out what to do because it was straightforward. When a Roman citizen appealed to Caesar, they had to go. They had the opportunity. He's appealed. And so Festus responds, to Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. So it doesn't count to appeal to That's right. But it's like the, the, the Festus was, you know, had the right, but he says, I'll give you a full trial, but we'll do it down in Jerusalem. Do you want to go? Well, Paul knew what was going to happen to him. He was accused, but also over in Acts 23, in verse 11, he had a, uh, a visit from an angel that said, Take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you must testify also in Rome. 
So Paul had been told also by an angel, you've got to go to Rome. So by appealing to Caesar, he now has his real opportunity to get there. So the only way, the only way he gets, even though he's a Roman citizen, the only way he gets there is by appealing. Since he's being held, that's right. It's not automatic. You or I, not being a Roman citizen, could not have made that appeal. But him being a Roman citizen, did he have to make the appeal anyway? I understand. Well, and, and yes. I mean, that was the only way, since he was a prisoner, that was the only way he could get there. But Do you think that Roman citizens were, up, were held to the same standard as just a regular Jew as far as not fomenting discord or... Well, see, the problem was, and, and we get into that more into chapter, both the latter part of this and into chapter 26, there was no evidence against Paul that he had done what the Jewish leaders were accusing him of, okay? And so the proper thing that Felix should have done was to release him. But he held him under protective custody for two years just to keep the Jews, you know, in theory, to keep the Jews from getting to him. And again, when we talk about the Jews, that term is used in broad senses and narrow senses. There's an awful, awful lot of politics that came into play in those days between people like Felix and the, the Roman governors. They were beholden to Caesar in Rome. But part of their part of their longevity depended on keeping peace in the valley. If indeed they had given up Paul, there is a good chance that a number of the Jews would have rebelled, and that would have cost him his job. He would have been exiled to Gaul in all probability, which isn't bad because they made good wine there. But still, nobody wanted to go to Gaul even less than even less than they wanted to go to to Jerusalem. But there's an awful, awful lot of politics, and that played heavily into the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, as it related to Felix, he ended up in Gaul because at the end of that two-year period, we talk, it mentions in chapter 24, he got embroiled in a controversy between the Jews and the Syrians, and he got recalled to Rome. And because of what he was accused of, he would have been severely punished had it not been for his brother, who was a member of court, who got the punishment reduced, and so he probably did end up in Gaul. Well, he got exiled. He got, yeah, he got exiled instead of uh, punished severely. And so, it, it, it was, yeah, he got caught up in politics. And here again, Festus, who was a much better administrator and fairer and, and, I, and those sort of things as opposed to Felix and subsequent successors of his, still was trying to balance, you know, I'm the new guy in town, the Jews are doing this, I've heard a lot about them, I need to kind of keep them happy. Uh, so that's what he was trying to do was to find that middle ground. And he wasn't being successful at that. And so... What happened next, if um, we would look at um, 25, chapter 25, uh, 13 through 27, if someone would be kind enough to read that. Read okay, then, thanks. <coughs> now, when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and greeted Festus. 
as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priest and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them that, that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. Rather, had certain, rather they had set certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss as to how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. So on the, day, on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death, and as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite so to write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. Thank you. Now, Agrippa, this is Agrippa II, was the great-grandson of Herod the Great. He, um, you know, he'd been king, he was king from 44 to 92, 93, so he had been king a while, but he had minor provinces because when he became, his father Agrippa I died, he was only 17. And Claudius was the emperor then, and they decided he was too young to become king over such a vast expanse. So he was given some minor provinces in the area, but not Judea. However, he did have authority over the temple in Jerusalem and the ability to appoint the chief priest. So even though his territory, if you will, which is more part of Syria and modern-day Lebanon, um, he um, was a man that did have some authority in the area. Bernice was his sister and constant companion. So you can imagine rumors probably flew about, you know, their real relationship and whether uh, it was just brother and sister or if there wasn't any incest or anything like that going on. But Festus, while he could make the decision on his own, Agrippa had a knowledge of the Jews. And so Festus would have seen that since he came to pay his respects to the new governor, he being Agrippa, 
why not take advantage of his presence here and get him to hear what hear about Paul and what you know he thought to give him counsel because Claudius could seek advice you know like from a council and then make his own decision he wasn't bound by what a council told him but he could seek advice and use that along with whatever he had heard as the tribune to make a decision and so he um, goes through, he shares, you know, that, um, you know, he's been accused, you know, he hasn't, they haven't, the accusers haven't followed Roman law about the face-to-face, and the, the real accusers were the Asian Jews and what Paul had been doing uh, while he was evangelizing. And so Festus decided to take advantage of Agrippa's presence. And Agrippa says, I'd like to hear him. And, you know, part of that would have been because of his understanding of the Jews. He would have known that a lot of people that had been Jewish were becoming Christians. And so, you know, he would have had an interest. He probably had heard of Paul, maybe, uh, because Paul would have been, you know, evangelizing and uh, going around in areas of which he had uh, responsibility. So he comes and he talks about, you know, uh, what it is. Then they, um, Bernice, and they come in with great pomp and ceremony, which probably means Agrippa's wearing his purple robes of uh, royalty, wearing some sort of, uh, not maybe a crown, but something on his head that would, you know, here again further uh, distinguish him. Um, as king, and more than likely Festus had on his uh, scarlet cape of authority as opposed to just being like he would be ordinarily, and, you know, others followed in. So it was a big ceremonial type situation. And then Festus goes, the whole Jewish people, well, that's, as I said before, we've talked about, when they say Jewish, it can be very broad and it can be very specific. Now, he's saying it very broadly, but in fact, it was a very narrow group. It was the chief priest, and even within uh, the Sanhedrin, it would have been the Sadducees because what Paul was talking about was there was resurrection of the dead, which the Sadducees totally said was no. And the Pharisees says, of course. So the people really bringing the charges were members of the Sanhedrin that were Sadducees by party. And... He being, uh, Festus says, you know, I'd like some help. You know, they accused him of things that weren't valid. And I don't know what charges to tell Caesar. Well, he's right about, you know, they brought accusations, but here are the charges they've accused him of. But I don't have any evidence to talk about. Now, you know, if you're appealing to a higher court, uh, whether it be, you know, an appeals court in our judicial system or even to the Supreme Court, whether it's of a state or the nation, you've got to have evidence laid out. You have to lay out not the facts, or not just the facts, but evidence that to support <laughs> your argument. That's what Festus didn't have. Here's a man accused of this, this, and this. So if you're the higher authority hearing the appeal, Okay, 
And what do you got to tell me that he really did to show that these charges are valid? That's what Festus didn't have. What I'm confused, Steve, is, is Agrippa, the Jewish, I mean, is he a Jew and a king? I mean, like, um, was it Herod, I guess? He is the great-grandson of Herod the Great. He's not a Roman. He's not a Roman. He's the appointed king. And what happened is over time, after Herod's lineage basically died out, there became governors. And by the time Jesus was even alive, there wasn't, while there was uh, Herod Antipas that was in Galilee in Judea, you had Pontius Pilate who was really in charge. And by this time, you've got Festus, the Roman governor. There wasn't even a, a king person appointed by Rome in Judea now. He's using Agrippa more as a counselor to advise him. He being Festus? Festus, yes. He, he, so he's, he's just looking for advice. He being Festus is looking for advice and thoughts that Agrippa has. But so Paul's not really on trial. No, because, see, Agrippa even says, I'd like to hear him. You know, it's not, I must hear him. You know, I'm curious. I'd like to hear him and see what he has to say for himself. And so that's what leads to it is that Agrippa has just got a, a curious interest, but it's because he is falling in the line of king of the Jews. So like even Herod would have had, while Herod was not a Jew, he had a, a great deal of understanding, more so than Pilate would have had. So in this case, Agrippa has a greater understanding of Jews. And even he, he, he was still of the family of Herod, but apparently he was a little bit more understanding and tried to follow some of the, teachings of Judaism. Not that he was Jewish, not that he followed them all the time, but he had a little better understanding and tried to at least sometimes appear. So he, but he didn't, he didn't have the actual authority to say to order the execution of Paul. No, no, not at all. None whatsoever. Uh, you know, it's, it's Festus, up, you know, using the opportunity to have somebody to give him advice. Well, the only person that could order an execution would have been a Roman in the direct chain of command from Rome all right. the way down to the to a centurion. Well, a centurion can carry it out. He okay. couldn't do it on his own authority. What I'm saying, it had to be in that. It had yeah. to be in the Roman chain of command rather than the political structure that had been imposed on right. on Palestine at that time. Yeah. So we have. Um, Agrippa's just interest. And, you know, and so they come in, they hear, and now Paul in chapter um, 26 starts his defense. And it's kind of interesting, and I'll read the first 11 uh, verses of chapter 26. So Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hands and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I am going to make 
my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known to all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this I am accused by the king, by the Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blasphemy. In raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. So Paul, what's interesting, he starts this dialogue before Agrippa by acknowledging him and you know, saying to him that, um, you know, you know, you understand, it's almost flowery. And his defense with Felix is, I acknowledge your position, whereas the prosecution, the person representing the chief priest before Felix, did all the flowery. And so Paul here is glad to be before someone that has at least an understanding of Judaism. You because know, he's been before a Roman governor in Felix. He's been before another Roman governor in Festus. And actually, he made a defense before the council or the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. And all of them just uh, didn't understand. You know, the, the Sanhedrin, they got in their own fight when Paul made the comment, about resurrection of the dead. And that's when the Roman um, chief soldier person in um, Centurion, at least in Jerusalem, when this was happening, came in and rescued Paul because it was almost a riot between the Hebrews, excuse me, between the Pharisees and the Sadducees over that comment because Paul had made a defense there and that broke into Bedlam. And then, before Felix, and now he's before Agrippa. And so he appreciates the opportunity to talk about. And so he begins, in my own nation. He was basically from Tarsus, and that was not in any Jewish area, not in, you know, whether it be Galilee or Judea. And he had come to Jerusalem. He had sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the rabbi who was the, the teacher, the master teacher, that they all aspired to be trained by. And he had learned. I mean, he had become a very strict follower of Jewish law. And 
he followed it day in, day out, trying his best to do it exactly as he should. So he's telling Agrippa, if anyone will come in and admit and testify that I was a Pharisee and I followed the rules and regulation and laws, you'll understand. I'm not doing anything different. You know, and the hope that we have as Jews, I still have that hope. And then he talks about what he did when, you know, Jesus of Nazareth came along. He was there persecuting them. You know, casting a vote for death. The first time that Paul's name is mentioned in Acts is at the death of Stephen, our first martyr. The people that were throwing the stones put their coats at Paul's feet. So he's saying, you know, I went after these Christians. I went after these people that I'm accused of helping. And I did it willingly and, you know, he was dead on. You know, it was... That's the one thing you can say about Paul. When he gets involved, he's all in. And so when he was going after the Christians, he was all in. Now, and we'll talk about this in just a second in the next part of talking about Paul's conversion, he became all in in evangelizing. He wasn't, you know, Paul, when he, he was told and sent by Christ, he didn't halfway go. He was all in. And so he's walking Agrippa through. Here's my background. Here's who I was. There were people that can testify that I did this if they're willing and not scared of the Jewish authorities. They'll tell you. This is who I am. They'll know. And they will, you know, share with you uh, that which um, I'm telling you. And then we've got uh, 12 through, uh, verses 12 through 18, and he starts talking about his conversion. In this connection, talking about persecuting Christians even to foreign cities, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and, the, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. So I'm headed to Damascus. I've got the authority to go round up Christians there and bring them back to Jerusalem. And then, as you know, we know the story from earlier in Acts, he's blinded. And he falls to the ground. It's the glory of God that's shining there on him. 
and he doesn't know what to do. Now it says, you know, why are you kicking against the goads? It that is a metaphor for saying why are you going against the deities? So even the Roman Festus would have understood what the comment was. He may have not understood it as a Jew would of being, why are you going against God's will? Goads was a sharp stick that were used to drive oxen. And so when the oxen, the more the oxen might refuse to go and kick against it, they'd get hit more severely. So he's telling Paul, you know, why are you denying God's will? Why are you fighting against it? And Paul, you know, calls out, who are you, Lord? And probably there he's saying as much as, more or less, who are you, sir? You know, because he's not real sure who it is. And when Jesus tells him, I am Jesus who you're persecuting, he at that point probably understands that Jesus has arisen, that what the Christians have talked about is true. Christ has been resurrected. And all that I've been hearing from them is not blasphemy, but it's the truth. And then Christ tells him to stand. You know, Paul had fallen down as much goes to try to hide his eyes, but it's also a humbling effect. And so in doing that, he's down, and Christ tells him to stand because he's going to commission him. And, you know, you can't be commissioned and told to go when you're on the ground. So Christ is telling him to get up and stand. He's telling him that, you know, I'll rescue you, and that's from suffering. Now, he's not telling him he won't suffer, but he'll rescue him until God's work has been done because all the prophets had been persecuted. But Jeremiah had been told, you know, I'll rescue you when he had been sent as a prophet. So Christ is getting him up, telling him that you've got to go. And here's who you're going to. You're going to the Gentiles. This is telling us another situation where the Gentiles are to be included as full partners in God's kingdom. They don't have to become Jews first. That was one of the things that the Asian Jews were most upset about because while Paul was converting them to Christianity, they believed you had to become a Jew first and then could become a Christian. That was one of the big debates, one of the first debates before the council in Jerusalem as to whether you had to become a Jew before you could become a Christian. Paul and Peter had that discussion, and Paul argued such that Peter went, you're right. But Peter, even after that, had was sometimes feared the Jews in relation to the Christians. You know, it's we, the Jewish, the hardline Jews were saying, become a Christian, you got to, you've got to be a Jew first. And Paul was always saying no because of right here what Christ 
had told him. You've got to go and open them up. Paul's not telling here about his conversion. He's really telling Agrippa about his commissioning. Here's what I was sent to do. And I'm sent to open their eyes so that they turn from darkness to light, that they change in such a way that they take on a whole new life. And the forgiveness of sins. Here again, that's something that goes against uh, Jewish teaching because only God can forgive sins. But Christ is the Son of God. And in the Trinity, that's one and the same. Um, let's, obviously the bell's rung. It's time to go. And so next week we will pick up at verse 19 in chapter 26. Have a great week, and uh, we'll be back next week for two in a row. <laughs>